All right, welcome to Choir Talks. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, the other day I started reading through the book of 1 John with a friend, and uh, so I just wanted to share a little bit from that great book, super awesome scripture, so dense with meaning and, and things that the Lord could say to us. Um, I'm kind of mentioning my friend because part of my agenda is to encourage you to read the Bible and, and to empower you to do that. And I want you to do that, uh, just you and the Bible and the Lord, letting the Holy Spirit guide you. However, sometimes it's good to uh, meet with a friend and uh, just bounce ideas off one another. So I'm mentioning that to you as a thought. Find you a friend who might read with you from time to time and, and see what, what the Lord might say to both of you together. All right, anyway, here's 1 John, and here's the reason why I'm sharing it today. 1 John uh, is the Apostle John. He is, he is later in life. He is writing to believers and trying to encourage them. And what he sees in the world around them is false teachers, and particularly people who are calling themselves Christians, but they're not really. Uh, they're not authentic followers of Christ. And uh, I see a parallel to that a lot in our society. I think that it's so easy to say that you're a Christian. And I feel like the majority of people that live in the area where I live uh, would tell you that they are a Christian. Um, but there's, there's a disconnect between uh, what our word, mouth might say and the way we really live and what we really believe. And uh, so... That can be an issue. It might be an issue for you and me. It might be an issue for the people around you. But um, it's something that concerned John as it influenced the people who were true followers of Christ. And he didn't want it to influence them wrongly. And so he writes this, this book of 1 John. Um, there are false teachers in, in amongst the people that he's writing to. And specifically, they had wrong ideas about who Jesus was whether he was uh, maybe just a spirit, he was God, but maybe more of a spirit than a true man, or maybe they emphasized his humanity without recognizing his deity and that he was truly God. So John can uniquely speak to that, being an eyewitness of Jesus' life. So this is what he writes. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, we proclaim concerning the word of life. All right, so really quickly here in verse 1, that's a lot of stuff there. He says, That which was from the beginning. I like this because it, it sounds like John. If you go back and read the book of John, remember that it starts, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. John is this big picture thinker. Like if you read the gospel of Mark, it kind of just gives you story, 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 story. But but John is one who likes to take a step back and look at the entirety of, of a subject. And, uh, and so he likes to start at the beginning. And so here again in this letter of 1 John, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, this foundational look at Jesus Christ. Now, notice that he is giving his own credentials as an eyewitness uh, for this testimony that he's going to give. He says it was it's the person that we saw, um, that we looked at, that our hands touched. Uh, he gives you three ways to think about the credibility that he has as, as an eyewitness, that he knows Jesus. And he, in doing so, he, he reminds us that he saw Jesus as a physical human being not just a spirit come to earth. Um, 
And so, and here's his testimony. He says, this we proclaim uh, concerning the word of life. And now he gives Jesus this title, the word of life. And if you've read the, the gospel of John recently, that's going to ring familiar to you also. Remember in John, he starts by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And so here he gives him the title of the word of life. That, that idea of the word is bigger than I could probably unpack in this moment here, but um, I'll, I'll just say, uh, why, does, why does he give Jesus this name or why does he focus on this name that Jesus has um, is that uh, the word of life is, uh, helps us to understand who Jesus is as the revelation of who God is. Jesus reveals to us the heart and character and nature of the Father. Uh, just like our words reveal to others uh, what we think or feel, Christ, his life, reveals to uh, the world who God is and what his heart and what his mind is. Uh, Jesus, in the book of John, uh, John quotes Jesus as saying this, that he who has seen me has seen the Father. So in this way, he is the word. Um, uh, think about the transfiguration, that, that really cool moment um, when the, the three main disciples went up on this, this mountain with Jesus, and Jesus was transfigured. John was one of those three, and, and uh, he reports that a voice came from the Lord saying, this is my son who I, I have chosen. Listen to him. And uh, so all of these things point to the deity of Christ and the word listen to him. That sounds exactly like what you would say about a word. It is something to hear, something to listen and to understand. So anyway, um, Jesus is the word of life. He gives him several titles in, in this first chapter, but the first one is the word of life. All right, verse two. The life appeared and we have seen it and testified to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now he's focusing on calling Jesus the life and he gives us another title. He says that he is the eternal life. This is focusing on his, his deity. He's, he was a physical man. We saw him, we heard him, he says in verse 1. But now he says he is more than that. He's eternal. He is the eternal life. And we are proclaiming him to you. We're testifying. We're letting you know what we know by personal experience about him. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. He's going right back and just hammering in. I was an eyewitness testimony. I knew Jesus as a man. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Here's the third title he gives him. He is the Son. He is the Son of the Father, the unique and only Son of God. Um, and so he says, hey, I'm, I'm testifying. I'm giving you understanding of who he is because as you understand him, you're going to have fellowship with us. We're going to be in relationship because of who Jesus is in our lives and how we understand him. And then he, he gives this summation about why he's writing. He says, we write this to make our joy complete. Uh, there's, there's joy in this connection uh, that he's making with these brothers and sisters who are far away from him. And he is, there's joy in helping them to see Jesus rightly and understand this, this word of testimony that he's going to give. All right, now the body of this letter starts this way in verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. All right, light and darkness 
super big themes in the Bible throughout scriptures. You could trace those two words and understand a lot of what's going on in the spiritual realm. It's probably too much also to unpack today, but let's just for today say that darkness generally represents sin and life apart from God and other than God. And light represents the revelation of God, represents his glory, represents his holiness. And so um, John's going to make a contrast here a lot between darkness and light. Why is he making this contrast? Because it sets us up to understand what it is to be an authentic Christian. Um, so we'll, I'll show you that in just a second. Um, so he says, this is what we're going to proclaim to you, that God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. So I'm going to understand that for today, that God is holy. He is morally just, and in him, there is no bit of unjustness, no bit of sin. He is moral perfection, and there's no darkness in him. All right. Now, verse 6, here we go with the authentic Christian idea. He says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. All right, here's the authentic Christian thing. Sometimes our mouth can say, I'm a Christian. But he's saying that if we claim that uh, and yet walk in darkness, or in this case, sin he's talking about, then, then we're not telling the truth. We are lying to others, but more importantly, we're, we're probably lying to ourselves. We're missing the fact that we don't have a real relationship if we walk in darkness. Uh, he goes on to say, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son purifies us from all sin. All right, well, let's understand that believers do sometimes stumble in darkness. They do sin. He's showing us that here surely in verse 7. However, if it is the typical way that we walk, to walk in darkness, to walk in sin, and be to content to live a life of sin, then that's not authentically being a Christian. Here's what I want to say to you about that. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you, you are his follower, his disciple, you will see a difference in the way that you live and what your desires are and what your behaviors become. We still will sin, but that will not be the main character of the way that we live because we love him. Uh, he goes on to say in verse 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Now here's how we know that believers sin. He says if we claim to be without sin, then we are lying again to ourselves. All of us sin. Um, and so he says the truth is not in us. Verse 10, let me skip a verse here real quick. If we claim we have not sinned in the past, then we make uh, God out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. All right, I want you to notice three times he said, if we claim, if we claim. Uh, I think he's just hammering in this, our mouth might say, I'm a believer, but it's what our lives say. It's what our desires and our focus and our priorities are in life that really show whether or not we are authentic followers of Christ. One verse that I've skipped over that is my favorite here in chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. Uh, that verse, you, you should memorize this verse. It should be a part of your life as a believer. If we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 
that should be a part of our everyday lives. He says, if we claim to be believers, then we should be moving away from the darkness, moving away from sin. If we say we don't have sin, then we're a liar. So if we, in other words, if we as believers have sin, but we're to be moving away from that, then he's, this is the tool that, through which we're going to do that. We're going to confess. We're going to continue to acknowledge that sin, not because God doesn't know about it, but because confession uh, is a part of the process of burning that sin out of our lives. And it's a command with a promise. You often find that in the Bible, a command tied with a promise. Here's the command, confess your sins. And here's the promise. If we do that, he will forgive us and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. He takes that sin away as we go through this process of confessing. Confession in verse 9 of chapter 1 here ought to be a part, a consistent part of a believer's life. As we continue to struggle in this, this body of sin, this world of sin, uh, this is our, our way out to continue to confess so that that uh, the relationship with us and the Father is not cut off. It's not diminished. We don't put up a block between us and them and him by continuing to sin. We get we keep a short ledger with the Father. We confess and then allow him to take away that sin from our life, to purify us, to change us day by day as we confess to him. That ought to be a part of your prayer life that you sit and stop and say, like the psalmist did, Lord, show me, is there anything, any wickedness in me, any sin in me, uh, and I will follow you. And that's that, that ought to be part of our prayer life. Lord, what is it today that I need to confess? What is it today that is separating me from you? Hey, read First John when you get a chance. It's an awesome book, and there's so much more that, that John tells us as believers. Thank you for listening today.